For those of you that are joining for the first time, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Bible. How many appreciated the worship this morning? Can we give our worship team a hand? It's a great job. Uh, we have just gotten through with a series called Lament, and uh, you know that series has been a great, uh, a great learning experience for me, and powerful in my uh, way that I'm processing all these different things that we're going through with Lahaina and whatnot. Um, just in the past week, uh, I've probably talked to four different people who have lost loved ones, and some of them have lost multiple loved ones. And um, you know, th this is a time I believe that uh, God is is near to us because uh, as one of our worship leaders, I think it was Janice, uh, several months ago, uh, God was speaking to her the verse that God is near to the brokenhearted. So anytime that you experience loss or your heart feels broken, that's when God is the nearest to you. Um, okay, I'm going to stand up. <laughs> this feels weird. Um, This next week is uh, Thanksgiving. We're going to go into Thanksgiving on, the, what, what, what's the date, Thanksgiving? It's Thursday, the 23rd. <laughs> I'm not good at dates. I don't remember dates. It was, uh, I think college was the first time that I, I, I realized that Thanksgiving always fa falls on a Thursday, and it's not the same day every year. Because Christmas is the 25th, right? Yeah, and it's always the 25th. So, like, why do they change Thanksgiving? It's all confusing. So, anyway, this week, Thursday is Thanksgiving. And, um, and I want to read uh, the history of Thanksgiving because a lot of times it can get lost in what our culture makes it. Our culture makes it we're just going to eat turkey, have a lot of tryptophan, and fall asleep but, and, and gain weight. But... Um, there's a huge significance uh, to Thanksgiving, and most of us know the pilgrims. We see the pilgrims and, and uh, the, uh, the early colonists. I'm just going to read an excerpt of what the first Thanksgiving was. The first Thanksgiving, as it's popular, popularly understood in the United States, refers to a feast held in 1621 by the pilgrims. Um, and it was between them and the Native uh, Americans. Um, I can't pronounce Wam, Wampan. Noag. Uh, this event took place in Plymouth, which is present-day Massachusetts. The primary purpose of this gathering was to celebrate the pil Pilgrims' first successful harvest in the New World. The Pilgrims had arrived in North America on the Mayflower in late uh, 1620 and faced numerous challenges, including a harsh winter that led to disease and to death. With the help of the Native uh, Americans, who taught them how to cultivate corn, extract sap from maple trees, and catch fish in the rivers, um, and avoiding poisonous plants, the pilgrims were able to establish a successful settlement. The 1621 feast was a three-day event that included food, games, and fellowship. It was attended by about 50 pilgrims and roughly 90 Native Americans. The menu likely included venison, Ooh, how many love venison? Not too many. <laughs> venison, turkey, fish, fruits, vegetables, and cornmeal dishes. While this event is often romanticized, it's important to recognize the relationship between the pilgrims 
and Native Americans was very complex and fraught with tension in the subsequent years. The Thanksgiving holiday, as it's celebrated today, evolved over centuries and was influenced by various cultural and historical factors. But it was not until 1863, 200 years later, during the Civil War. How many knew that? That Thanksgiving was instituted during the Civil War. Um, that President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day to be held each November. Uh, it's so interesting to me that in the most tumultuous time of our country's history, the Civil War, more Americans died in that war than any other war that has been fought by many multiples because it was Americans killing Americans. And it was in that context that Abraham Lincoln, the President of the United States, said what we need to do and what our country needs is to give thanks. And so he instituted Thanksgiving Day as a salve or something that would help the tension and the war that was happening in America. And it's interesting that the pilgrim, that this whole feast is shared between the Native Americans and Americans. Because they started off as allies, but over the years turned to enemies. And I think what President Abraham Lincoln was communicating was that relationships and alliances are very fragile. And if we don't stop to give thanks, that the relationships that we have can easily be lost. How many of you are thankful for your spouse? How many of you are thankful for your kids? How many, I hear some laughter. How many of you are thankful for your relationship with God? Now, relationships are fragile, and if we don't take time to be thankful for these relationships, they can easily be lost, just like the pilgrims and the Americans. And so that was the context behind the first Thanksgiving. Um, if, you, if you look at the context of Thanksgiving, it's two words, thanks and giving. A lot of times, our thanks is equal to the cost of our giving. I love it when, you know, we give something of value to our kids, and then they're just like, oh, thanks, Adad. Shoots. And then they don't do anything for it. Or don't appreciate anything, like, more than that. And in our relationship with God, a lot of times you're just like, oh, thanks, I got shoots, mahalo, whatever. I, I know I look stupid because I'm not, you know, I don't talk pigeon. But <laughs> shut up. <laughs> My wife, she's the worst. She's like always teases me whenever I try to talk Filipino. I feel I have the right because I have a Filipino wife, but she always reminds me that I don't and I shouldn't. Last night we went to uh, somebody's house for a first birthday party, Faith, uh, and um, at the end I was like, oh, are we going to balloon? And she says, stop it, don't try. Uh, I'm sorry. Anyway, what was I talking about? Um, Thanksgiving. So. The values of our church or the, the way that we worship is the way that we give thanks. And 
God is not obligated to accept our giving if it doesn't cost us anything. David, he was, he was uh, the one that penned the phrase, I will not give God that which cost me nothing. And he was one that always wanted to give not out of uh, the extras to God, but he was one that wanted to give uh, God the things that cost him something. And so when we, when we give to God, we want to give to God with an attitude of thanksgiving that represents uh, the true thanksgiving of our hearts. And the way that we worship is the way that we give of our time, our talent, and our treasure. Uh, this is how we worship the Lord. It's not just when we sit and we sing songs with our, our mouth, which is an act of worship, but what comes after that in how we give him our time, our talent, our treasure, that's the way that we give thanks or we practice thanksgiving. Um, in your notes, let's read this scripture together at the count of three. One, two, three. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give Thanks to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. There's so much in this scripture, but this refers to the way that Israel would worship God. They would, their act of worship was coming into the tabernacle and then offering sacrifices, the washing of hands, and then going into the holy place and the holy of holies. It was an act of drawing near to the Lord, and there was a pattern of how to draw near to the Lord. And the first thing was to enter the gates of the tabernacle with an attitude of thanksgiving and into the outer courts of that tabernacle with praise. There's something very powerful, and we experienced it this morning, when we look at the bad, but we don't focus on the bad, and we shift our focus to the faithfulness of God. Looking and focusing on the bad is natural, how many of you, you know, a couple years ago, I was, Joss was working on this, this uh, craft project at home, and she hit her finger with a hammer. Now, how many of you have ever hit your finger with a hammer? Do you, do you notice how beautiful the sky is when you have a finger that's in pain? Like, everything focuses on the air of pain, and that's normal. But what God wants to teach us is, even in pain, to shift our focus on the faithfulness of God, and that begins to change the situation in our lives. Um, so focusing on, on, on who God is, enter his gates with thanksgiving. When we enter his gates with thanksgiving, when we have thanksgiving in our hearts, it, it changes the atmosphere of our lives into an atmosphere where miracles can happen. Uh, we're going to focus on three things this morning. Uh, we're going to focus on how we worship God in the giving of our time. Everyone say time. Time is super precious. And, um, and the way that we give God our time is to connect. And that's what we say every uh, church service at the end. We connect by giving God our time. How do we give God our time? Through spending time with him in the morning, through soaping. And uh, for so some of you that might not be familiar with soaping, S stands for? Scripture, O stands for observation, A stands for application, and P stands for prayer. Okay, so, so we spend time with God. We connect with God by the giving of our time in the morning, but then we also connect with others uh, in the, uh, the, the discipline of meeting in groups. 
Um, that's our time. We give God of our talent by serving both in ministry in the church and outside the church. And then we worship God in the giving of our treasure or 10% of what he has given to us. And the thing about God is that when we give to God our time, our talent, and our treasure, he gives back to us many more times over what we give to him. And um, I want, this morning what I wanted to do is I wanted to invite uh, Aaron and Gail up. Uh, could you guys give in a hand to Aaron and Gail? Oh, I feel like Oprah. <laughs> Can you guys give a hand for Aaron and Gail? Um, so Aaron and Gail, uh, aren't they a good-looking couple? Um, they've recent, how, how long have you guys been coming to, why, why don't you just introduce yourself and how long you've been coming to the church? My name is Aaron, and this is my wife. Gail. And we've been coming since September 1st. Right now, September 6th. First week of September, yeah. yeah. <laughs> First Sunday of September. It's crazy, right, how our wives have this, like, memory that, like, keeps track of everything. Um, they, they've been coming since September, right after the, one month after the fires. Uh, they are very, um, Aaron has gone to Bible college, has a depth of, of uh, biblical wisdom. Uh, they both ministered in a church uh, earlier. Um, the, during COVID, about 50% of all church attenders stopped attending church. And, um, and they were one of those 50%. Um, for whatever reason, and there's a lot of health concerns and, um, you know, concern for kids and all different things. Um, but in the, in the absence of fellowship, one, it, it affects us in different ways. And um, one of the things that, I, that I've seen that really kind of capsulates the enemy's tactic against our lives is how many of you have ever watched the nature channel where there's a, a, a small little calf in the middle of a whole herd of bulls and then lions come to distract those bulls and then they you know start attacking and then the bulls run away and they try to to isolate like one and push it to the side and then when they're not surrounded by a family that's when the enemy can pounce um how many of you have ever experienced that in your life? That, you know, you think everything's going great and you slowly start isolating yourself from the body of Christ and then things just start, like, slowly falling apart. How many of you have experienced that? Raise your hand if you've experienced that. that okay, awesome. Because, not awesome, sorry. It's not awesome. But that's just the way the enemy works. Um, question one, um, what were some of the ways that... Uh, not going to church, we're talking about connection, you know, that we give God of our time by connecting with him and also his people. Um, I'm pretty sure you still were connecting with God, but uh, weren't connecting with his people in small group or in church. Um, what were some ways that it affected um, your, your life during that time? All right, well, um, I can't speak for Gail 100%, but for me, I've gone to church pretty much like since freshman year of high school. So 
every Sunday I was at church, and then we got involved with ministry. So every Saturday at youth, and then all of a sudden worship. So literally, I was at the church like multiple times during the week in Bible college. So from like 2003, 2002 until 2022 when we left, like I was in church for 20 years. And I never thought I would ever be in that place, you know. Um, but life has a way of just surprising you and just happening. And we made a decision to step away from the church we were serving at. And it affected everything, you know, faith, family, finances, our, our mental. Um, it affected a lot. And I don't want to talk too much, but if Gail wants to share a little bit. Um, I know that. Aaron had a, a big problem with getting out of the routine. You know, he's like, what do I do Sunday? What are we going to do? And he just couldn't function. And so as a family, we decided to make it a routine. Every Sunday we went to a tropical plantation. We would have breakfast there on time because I would set a reservation. And we would just sit across the pond and um, talk to our daughters and try to teach them attributes of God, scripture memory, just try to do our own church. And it was good with young children, but then it also got to the point where it was just like, now what? And not being able to be in a community, being able to fellowship, um, there's still that loneliness. You know, you, you can keep leaning on God and keep seeking to hear him, his voice, and you know, but it was that thing of like, if I'm not getting an answer from Marion, like, I would, I would always challenge him with questions. Oh, what do you think about this? I read this in the Bible, and I wouldn't like his answer sometimes. And, <laughs> you know, and we would, it would turn into an argument. But it was this thing of, I started to feel like, yeah, we need to get connected. We, I kind of need someone on my side, you know, and, um, and me trying to always teach my daughters, it also felt like, do I really even know all the answers? You know, is this enough for them? And so it was after the fires that we coincidentally came back to church. But it was also that big sense of, like, the loss of um, community and, like, just a strong relationship. And, yeah. You know, something that you talk about that um, I remember of a value of why I come to church and it's not because the church has a lot, like all the answers, because we're all, you know, fallen. Um, the pastors don't have more answers than everyone else, uh, even though, you know, there's like Aaron has a Bible degree. Um, but the reason why I go to church and I'm, I always plug in no matter where I go is because I'm setting a model for my kids. And when and the main model that I'm setting for my kids is that I'm under authority that I don't have all the answers. And when I myself come under authority, what I'm telling my kids is that this is the right way to live, that they should be under authority as well. And so there's two ways to try to raise our kids. One way is to pretend like we have it all together and nobody's our boss and we're just independent and nobody can really tell us what to do. What happens is that our kids grow up and they see that example in our lives, and they're like, and then they start seeing that we have problems. And they're like, mom or dad doesn't have it all together. Like, why should I listen to them? And so we will never be perfect. We will never be strong enough to not have authority in our lives. 
And so God creates a church as a place where we can come under authority and model that to our children. The reason why I believe, and I, I, I can't speak for my kids, but they're pretty good kids and they're not like very rebellious. They're not rebellious. They're like pretty good kids. And I can say that they are because, not because I'm a perfect parent, but because I model submission to authority. And because I am submitted to authority, they're submitted to authority because they become like what I am. And so I think that's really, you know, an important aspect that you bring up. Um, it's not that the church has all the answers, but it's just modeling humi humility and submission to authority. Um, Can I add to that? Yeah. Um, and so that was the thing. Penelope, my oldest, she was um, maybe five at the time, but she was saying, Mom, what happened to Sundays? I thought we go to church. I thought you said we go to, we're supposed to go to church. What are we doing? And we just had to keep saying, okay, hold on. Let's wait on the Lord. And even the first day we came here, she said, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to because she got used to staying home now and just having that freedom. This morning, she's like, hurry up, Mom. We're going to be late. And it was an hour before church started. But the fact that now this is her new routine, she's the one first at the door, and, and that's what we want to see. You know? Wow, that's awesome. Um, not just church, but then small group. Because church is a great place, you know, to come and worship. But then the real, like, life transformation happens in small group. And that's one of the things that I noticed when you guys came. First thing, you guys are both in small groups. You jumped into Shalice Guys' small group. Aaron jumped into ours. Um, and there's a power of prayer that happens in small groups. The, the scripture says that if two or more come into agreement for anything, and it's hard to come into agreement with people that you don't have connection with, but Aaron, um, you had some pretty uh, specific prayers when you came to small group, and those prayers, a lot of them have been answered just in the short month and a half that, that uh, you've been here. What, what are some of those prayers that you've seen uh, answered? Oh, man, I, I didn't know, like, what to pray for. Like, when I first started going to small group, um, you know, shout out to Justin over there, me and him, we showed up. First time together at Jonathan Small Group, and um, I didn't know like what I wanted. Like I still was feeling like I wasn't worthy being here. That um, like it just felt very new. Like after not going to church in a year, and so I was like, just I just wanted intimacy with God again. Like that was the number one thing, and it was from Pastor Eddie uh, Sato's message, the first month or the first week of October, I challenged myself to uh, wake up every morning and do devotions before I access my phone because I'm self-employed. You know, I get all my emails, money, everything from my phone. And that was like my God this last year. It was just waking up, checking it first thing. And I just, I wanted to set that aside and restore that intimacy. And so that was like one of the first things. And coming to small group, um, it allowed me to just hang with the boys and, or the men, right? Uh, older men. <laughs> oh, but, easy. Uh, <laughs> easy. But um, it was he just. He planted that thought in your head. It was Zach. <laughs> I heard about that conversation. Shucks. He was like, I want to join a small group. And then Zach, and he said, I think I'm going to join uh, Pastor John's small group. And then Zach said, that's all the old guys. Why do you want to <laughs> join all the old guys? Shoot. But no, for real, like. This last year, I didn't have anyone to talk with, to 
pour into me. And I miss that so much. Like as much as my relationship with my wife and we have our, you know, um, our time together. But to have people pour into me, I was missing that. And I wanted to join the small group to just, you know, chat, to talk about life, to talk about what's going on in our lives and to hear what everyone else is going through. And then you can meet and connect on those levels. And then you become friends and you get connected. And all of a sudden, you know, your kids are playing with my kids. And that sense of intimacy and community, um, it, it started to come. And, you know, just to share as well, like I've been going to therapy too starting uh, July 2022. And I, I dealt with a lot of anxiety and that was one of my things that I prayed for, too. And um, therapy is good. I, you know, I worked in social services. I see the benefits to it. Um, but since coming back to church Wait, in September. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, so how bad was it? Like, okay. Well. Um, you don't have to go into detail, okay. but just like, you yeah. know, like driving over the poly. That's yeah, yeah. So um, when I was a small, small kid, I did have like hyperventilation, stuff like that. But I never like had chronic anxiety, and it wasn't until um, I had an incident on the poly, I was driving to do a photo shoot, sunset, I was late, I was worried, I don't know, something happened where I had tunnel vision, and I panicked, and I had to pull over on the side of the road on the poly, on like the shortest shoulder on a turn, and it was blazing hot, super packed with cars, and since then, even, even today, I haven't been able to drive the poly. And, um, but after that, I struggled with driving. I just, I couldn't drive to places. I couldn't go to Walmart by myself. My wife had always be with me whenever I drove. And I don't know what it was, man. It was just something that, like, came over me. And uh, I was going to therapy for it. And so, anyways, recently, um, since coming to church and getting connected, and this sense of normalcy and connection and purpose that I found through, like, small groups and coming to church. Like, um, last week was my first week without it, and I've stopped. I've gotten to that place where I've got the tools to overcome that anxiety um, through therapy, but also through the Lord. And um, I haven't driven the poly yet. I know I will. But it's, it's just gradual baby steps and, you know. Getting connected was definitely one of those things that certainly helped. Thanks for sharing. Any any um, answers to prayer that you've seen as far as that? Well, because I was his chauffeur, <laughs> that meant that I also lugged the girls with us. And thank God we had a, a van that was gifted to us during COVID. And so we, me and the girls would camp out in the van for four or five hours while he was doing a wedding on the west side. And so because that became our routine, you know, we were inseparable. COVID made us, you know, prisoners in our own, in our own home where we were with each other 24-7. And when he lost his job during the pandemic and started his own business, that meant we were going to see more of him because he was working at home. And since I homeschool, you know, the girls are with us. So our family was building our, our um, relationship, our bond stronger but that meant that it was harder to be away from each other. So when small group was introduced to me, I've never been to small group before, so I didn't know what to expect. 
but I made every excuse. Like, oh, that's at 6 p.m. on a Monday. That's the beginning of the week. My week is started. I, I, I can't function that way. I'm, you know, putting my girls to bed at 6 p.m. No, I can't go. And I put it off for a month. And um, when I finally went to small group, I came home and I said, I don't know what this is. <laughs> we were just talking. Um, is it supposed to, uh, was I, I don't know. And he said, so what do you think? I go, I don't know. And so I said, isn't there a couple small groups so that we can go together? And that was the thing, is I couldn't function without him. Like, I was seeking to find a way that we could even have a family small group with other families because it just felt like I was just holding on to him because we spent a whole year, you know, together. And um, the more and more I gave up him, I gave up my kids, like, thinking, He'll be okay at home with them. He can put them to bed without me. Um, and I started to look at what I needed, and I needed to be around these women. I needed to hear their stories. I needed to um, give them my stories. It made me feel, one, more welcomed in the church, where I wasn't just still the new visitor. But I started feeling like, oh, this is my home, and th this is my family. Oh, I recognize her, you know, and like this and that. And it's just like um, having the small group to get you started, to, to make you start to, you know, find a place to build, you know, to get your roots in the ground. And that's what we needed, you know. Can we all read these scriptures together? So this is, we worship God in the giving of our time, connecting with God and connecting with others. Uh, this comes from Psalms 27, 8. One, two, three. You have said, seek my face, and my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Um, that's connecting to God, having a set time where we meet with him in the morning. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let's read that together. One, two, three. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Not only do we uh, focus on spending time with uh, God and others, but we also worship in the giving of our talent by serving. Let's read the scripture together. One, two, three. Now there are various varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Um, you know, since, and we're just highlighting th this couple, but uh, there's a ton of stories in, in our, our congregation. But since they've jumped in, uh, trunk or treat, they won first place for their trunk. Um, if you notice those uh, wooden Christmas trees out there, uh, Gail set those up uh, during the this week, she just came in and said, hey, I want to volunteer, and she set those things up. If you've noticed Aaron, he's been taking photos because he does have a wedding photography business, and so he's been using his gifts to serve, um, to serve the church. And every single one of us have our own gifts. We might not be a wedding photographer or, you know, whatever, but we all have our own passions. We all have our own gifts. You know, you can start a surfing ministry and teach little kids how to surf if you... If, if you love to kill deer, you can start a ministry, a hunting ministry in our church. It would be gladly appreciated. Um, and the meat. Thanksgiving venison. Um, so as far as serving, um, we never can outgive God. 
Um, let's, and we'll just uh, put the last two together. We worship God in the giving of our treasure, our tithe. Um, let's read this scripture at the count of three. One, two, three. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. We don't have, you know, cattle and barns and all this, but we do have bank accounts and we do have places that we store things. And what the promise of God is to our lives is that when we are generous and when we give uh, sacrificially to the Lord, that he will bless us uh, and, th- and we cannot outgive God. Um, let's read this second scripture, Luke 6.38. This is um, another promise. One, two, three. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it will be measured back to you. Basically, it's the law of sowing and reaping. That if we sow, we're going to reap. If we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. If we sow abundantly, we're going to reap abundantly. We cannot sow in the natural a few seeds and expect this huge harvest. Same with the spirit. We cannot sow uh, stingy and expect a huge harvest. Um, It's the law of sowing and reaping. We reap what we sow, we reap more than we sow, and we reap after we sow. Um, Those three things. Um, Since you guys have jumped into uh, Grace Bible Church, you've sowed your time, your talent, your treasure. Um, Specifically, as far as treasure, uh, that has been a testimony because uh, you being in a wedding photography business, COVID's not good for that, and neither was the Lahaina fires. So when you guys came in, that was like, you can, you can kind of have an idea of, of uh, the stress that if that's your sole source of income and Lahaina has just disappeared and you have a family to feed, you know, a lot of people in our community are facing that right now. It's not just uh, probably at least 25% of our communities are, are facing something like that. Um, but how have you seen the faithfulness of God as you've sown and as you've um, worshiped God in your giving? Yeah, I, I've, um, I've always been one to give to the church and like understand the importance of the tithe. And um, when we left the church and we were on our own, that was like one of the things that we were missing was giving. And it was like, man, who are we going to give to? For a year, we didn't, we didn't give. We didn't tithe. And we were really just doing things out of our own strength and just getting by. And August happened, the fires. Um, in that month, I had five cancellations, and I had refunds to do. And I had to refund, and I did not know where we were going to get the money for rent or anything. And we barely got by. And so we started coming in September, and I knew the first couple weeks, I was like, all right, Lord, I, I know I can't, I can't tithe, and, you know, I don't even know if this is going to be our home church, so I don't know if we're going to tithe. But by the third week, Yale and I decided, okay, we're going to tithe this week, set up, push pay, $25, $25 this week. Um, we served at a, at a camp in Kaanapali, and I was doing photo and video, and it was for a church, and I charged them like 300 bucks for three days, all day video photos. They gave me 500, and I was like, oh, man, amazing, praise God, you know. And uh, a couple weeks after that, we got invited by the pastor to his house, and 
Um, we had dinner, and we just were debriefing. And we left the house, and they slipped the gift. And uh, it was more than enough to cover what I had to refund from the cancellations and more. And we weren't asking for that, looking for it. And I hear these stories all the time in church. You hear these all the time, but I swear, bro, like you give God your first fruit and your, your money. And, I, you know, it's not just the 10. It's like what Paul says, give what you've decided to give in your heart. You know, um, if you have discretionary funds to spend on Starbucks and Boba and your Netflix and your, and your stuff, man, you have money to give. And if you're not giving, you're missing out on the blessing of God. You're, you're really missing out. And I know it's hard to think, but, like, your money's not your own. Like, you're stewarding God's finances. And that's how I've always looked at it like that. And so, um, and so even recently, you know, we're not rich by any means whatsoever. And we're still getting by, but we're being blessed more and more um, October, whatever. Recently, I got a job offer from a company in California that hunted me down. Like, I didn't, I wasn't looking for a job. The, the boys know at the small group, I, none of my prayers were for a job. It was just, I was just doing my thing. And this company out of nowhere, like, offers me full-time hours, full-time pay, like, all remote work to do here. And, like, like beyond my imagination and I believe it's because of tithing and giving and putting that forward. And so that was one thing, coming back to church. That was the first thing we did before we started serving was just making sure we have tithe set up on our bank account. And we put that out first because we know that. Um, sorry, I had a verse, and if it's okay to share. But um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a blessing and a grace that the world experiences, whether, like, you're good, evil, like, God shows the goodness, but Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. And there's a blessing that, like, believers and Christians experience that the world doesn't, that, like, there's this, like, you don't have to toil in that way, that, like, it just comes out of nowhere that these blessings come because, like, your heart's in the right place. It wasn't about money or anything, you know, it was just about serve God, and he provides, he provides for you, so... How many of you um, have noticed him with his camera taking pictures around the different events and whatnot? And I asked him, could you train our, uh, you know, Paige and Kamale and the different ones, uh, Ali, could you train them in, in uh, taking video? And he's like, yeah, sure. So he started training them. And then it was, uh, then you got sponsored by Canon. And then they get, or. Nikon. Nikon, Shout sorry. Nikon. <laughs> got sponsored by Nikon. And then they gave you. Uh, like yeah, yeah. How much worth of well, camera gear? Yeah, about about like six, seven thousand dollars worth of camera. And they just to like help out because what I'm doing with the fires too, they want to help tell the stories and everything like that. So kind of all encompassing, they believe in yeah that. So. And so that's super cool because uh, all of our camera team now is carrying around seven thousand dollars worth of Nikon equipment, um, top of the line gear, and that's. Uh, Aaron's generosity, Aaron and Gail's generosity. So, any final words before we close? How many of you were encouraged by their story and what God is doing in their lives? I, I did. I did want to say this too yeah. that um, you know your story won't be the same as ours. Like um, when we came in, like even though I've been to, <laughs> to church for twenty years, like I served, I went to Bible college, 
my first couple of weeks, I was feeling like, man, what are people going to think about me? I felt like worried about judgment, like all that stuff. And even getting involved, like me and her were like, we got to be on the same page as far as serving. Your story is not going to be the same as ours. You have different financial situations, family situations, um, hurts, everything. And, and we had our hurts and things, and we're still healing and going through it. But I just knew that, like, you know, we don't want to just come to church, say hi to the same people, and eat a donut and go home. You know, like, you know, like every single one of us have an ability to do something, you know, and it's going to be different than what we do, you know. But I don't, I'm just always thinking about like the second service that you guys are doing, and I'm just thinking, like, man, like, there's so much that we all can do to like help serve and be connected and, and grow in our faith. So, um, for me, as a homeschool mom, I'm trying to teach my, ter- my, my children about grumbling, change your grumbling to gratitude. So it goes in the same way. If there's something in the church you don't like, rather than grumble, turn it into the gratitude that there are people serving and join them and serve with them and make things the way that, you know, you, you expect it to be, you hope it to be. And, and that's kind of where I put myself out there where I told Shalise and I told Andrea, I said, I'm going to just come to church. I don't know what time I'm going to come during the week. But when I show up, give me something to do. And I'm going to throw my daughters in the toddler room. And they're going to clean it up while they organize play. And just give me work to do. Because I, I don't want to come into the church every Sunday and say, oh, you know, how come this isn't done here? Or, oh, look at this little mess. I mean, I could be the one doing that and picking up that mess. So if you need to figure out what ministry to serve in, you know, just tell, tell the, the ladies in back, you know, just where can I be used? And they'll, they'll put you somewhere that you won't even realize you have the skills for it, you know. So that's my little two cents. Awesome. Can, could you pray for all of us that uh, God would bless us in the area of uh, worshiping the Lord in our time, talent, treasure, and the faith to believe that God is going to pour out on us more than and then we'll pray for you. How many of you want to receive a, a blessing this morning? Okay. Okay. Lord God, thank you for this time right now that we can come to you with our hearts that are full, um, full of your word, Lord God, full of your promises. But God, also our hearts could be full of, of hurts and pains or confusion and worries. But, God, we just want to offer that to you and sacrifice ourselves to you, Lord God. Um, Just like on this drum kit back here, it says it's not about us. It's not about you, ourselves, but it's about you, God. It's about what your will is for us and um, us living out your will. And I pray that the time that you give us, God, we can give it back to you in, in the ways that we can serve you. And the talents that you bless us with, Lord God, we can give it back to you and serve the community, serve each other, and serve our families, Lord. I pray that the treasures that you bless us with, every time when we ask for it, treasures that we don't expect, treasures that um, just come to us, Lord God, I pray that it can be used for your your glory and, and that um, we don't hold on to the things in this world right now that we are hoping will advance us. But Lord, let us advance our relationship with you in the things that our attitudes allow us to do in our hearts. And I pray, Lord God, that you bless each member of this congregation 
um, meet their needs, Lord God, to help them, Father God, to seek you first in all that they do. God, I just uh, thank you for this time as well and being able to share, but it's all for your glory and the things that you've done in our lives. And um, I like the verse, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, Lord, when it says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And I just, uh, for those who on their hearts right now who just are wondering what can I do, or I've been wanting to play bass, or I've been wanting to serve, or I've been wanting to do something, Lord, I pray that they would just find the right person to speak to, to, to chat with, and to get connected, to get involved, to join a small group, Father God, um, because that's what it takes is that, that connection and that joining a family, Lord. We're all part of this one body, Lord, and this Thanksgiving coming up, um, I just pray for the families, Lord God, who are hosting meals with their families that... It's not just uh, routine, watch football, eat turkey, you know, watch football again. It's that they, they would do something new, Father God, that they would um, invite someone new, invite a new family, um, you know, uh, initiate prayer with their families, forgiveness, um, do something new and uh, bring revival to each home um, in, our, in this church, in this body. And I just, again, I would just thank you so much for your blessings and all that you have in store um, for us, Lord. God, we just thank you for Aaron and Gail and uh, every other couple in this church that uh, gives generously of their time, their talent, and treasure, uh, connecting, serving, and giving. Uh, God, we know your promises is that we can't outgive you, and whatever we give you, you're going to return to us a hundredfold. And so, Lord, we um, bless Aaron and Gail and their, their daughters, their family. Uh, God, we pray that uh, as as no eye has seen or no ear has heard, mind conceived, what you have in store. Uh, God, we pray that you'd blow the lid off of their lives, off, off of our lives, Lord, that we would see blessings that uh, would blow our minds. And God, we just thank you that you are faithful. And even in trials, even in uh, places that we feel we don't have enough, you are more than enough for all of our needs. So uh, God, we just thank you that we can be your kids, that we can be uh, brothers and sisters and uh, and walk out the adventure of knowing you. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Can we give a hand for Aaron and Gil?